You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tell Ambassadors Jakar and Lando I want to see them in chambers now. Then invite them again as firmly and as politely as you can. Captain, either you snore or last night we had a hell of a breach in the hole. What do I do now? Uh, old style, you roll over and go to bed. New style, you go out for pizza and I never see you again. What's inside there? One moment of perfect beauty. Hello and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week we review an episode of the 1990s sci-fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, Season 2, Episode 12, Acts of Sacrifice. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And, and we are, are the Epsilon 3. And the synopsis. Jakar asks Sheridan and Delenn for help from their respective governments in the Narn Centauri War, which the Narn are losing. And Ivanova shows a representative from a new species around the station. Written by JMS and directed by Jim Johnson, this episode was released on the 22nd of February 1995 and takes place in July 2259. And the guest stars. Well, we have a few people returning that haven't, um, haven't been on for a while. So we have Stephen First as Veer, Mary Kay Adams as Natoth, uh, Paul Williams as Tack, Christopher Darger as Narn Number One, Glenn Morshower as Frank, Jeff Conway as Zach Allen, Ian Abercrombie as Corilil Morzon, Paul Ainsley as Centauri Number One. Now we have Glenn Morshower there as Frank. He only appears for a, a, about a minute or so. Uh, one of my favourite actors, although unfortunately in uh, this show he's a little bit wooden and. Uh, isn't really doing a particularly good job, but we'll get to that a bit later. He's got 234 credits in IMDb. Is he the redheaded guy? That's right. Okay. So, Sean, what did you think about this episode? I got two words for you. Boom, shakalaka, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Show me yeah. your portfolio. <laughs> portfolio. <laughs> Such a good line. Oh, was it as good uh, for me as it was for you? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, fun, fun episode. Uh, we got a weird superior alien dude. Um, the, his little companion had uh, lightning bolt uh, nostrils, which was cool. Um, we had a lot of infighting between the Narns and the Centauri. Uh, just uh, an, an overall decent episode. With a bit of fun. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so good that the Ivanova um, quote is actually in our titles. As I was fully expecting it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This this is one that sticks in the memory for obvious reasons. Um, she, I mean, she looks fantastic. Let's just say it. She looks amazing uh, just before that scene starts. And she is amazing throughout this episode. Just Please. the look she gives, the, the, the sense of humour, the... The, the way she's going out of her mind trying to please these aliens and try and win them over so that she can get them to sign the treaty. Just everything from, from the get-go is just fun with her. And I think 
this is the episode in the hazy memory that I always remember as like, that's Ivanova's character. That's the person she does. She's trying her absolute best to do everything. She's sarcastic. She gets angry. And then she completely does a 180 and just does this wonderful comedy moment. Uh, and then there's the the big payoff at the end, the joke at the end with the, the hanging bells and everything. And I love it. Absolutely love it. And then added on to that, you've got Centauri, you've got Nan, and you've got human politics and Mambari all happening at the same time. All four races have got something to do. There's loads being thrown at you. Um, it could easily just be thrown away on a comedy episode with Ivanova's stuff, but there's more going on as well. It's a much better episode than last week. It's strange how they have this. It is quite a serious episode with the Narns and the uh, Centauri starting mm-hmm. to fight on the on the ship. And there's, you know, they're getting, they're getting in fights and they're killing each other. And yet you do have this comedy piece as well, which is quite bizarre because it doesn't does it really fit alongside this mm. sort of seriousness that's going on and and you know the arguments of, of, you know it's you know, the big fights and things it's a bit strange meanwhile uh, we have uh, in the non-centauri war uh, the non-females and children are being killed five thousand in total shikar is briefing the babylon five council but there is no malari to refute the evidence shown but he does send in a piece of paper, that, a piece of paper. He does send in a message uh, that accuses the Narns uh, of using their uh, children and old ones as human shields and transporting weapons on, on their carriers. I kind of feel like this footage was filmed on purpose, though. Did you see that look on the captain's face? It's like a panning in shot, a close up shot where he's just looking at. <laughs> did I get the lines right? Did, did, was that all right? Should we go again to take two? Okay, all right. Oh, they're attacking us. Oh, let's shake over to the side, shake to the side. Let's do the Star Trek shuffle. Um, it, it was a very weird cut in the recording. It was almost like it was staged and like Jakar was trying to frame the Centauri for something. Um, I don't know why. It, it just seemed very weird how they put that scene together. It was very strange. The, uh, the, the female Nan's voice seemed too high and I don't mm. know whether it was dubbed because it didn't look at one point as though it was actually matching the mouth, but um, that may have just been the um, the video. Non-subtitles. Um, That's it. Mm, Non-subtitles just going on underneath. Mm. Um, but yes, the, like I said, that look at the end of the scene that the uh, the captain gives is, is very strange. Uh, it, mm. it's, it's saying, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't say, we're now going to sacrifice ourselves and die. It's just a, <laughs> a really, really strange look. It was the complete opposite of when everyone gets cut off through their sentences. Like he had loads of times to finish his sentence, but he didn't have anything to say. So it was just the opposite of everything we've seen so far. But I like um, the uh, Sheridan's uh, quote: "The first casualty of war is the truth." Um, that's that's you know that's pretty much true. I mean, and I think this this episode actually has uh, come at quite a, a time you know, when obviously we have this problem with the Russians invading Ukraine, and. Mm-hmm. I can see a lot of similarities. You know, this is obviously. Yeah, I'm trying to think what was happening in '95. It was the um, the Bo- the Bosnian War and all that earlier was 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 on, wasn't it? So maybe it was a, mm-hmm. a reference to that at that at that time, which is now actually still, um, you know, referencing things, you know, events that are happening now. Mm-hmm. And a ship arrives that Sheridan has been waiting for, the Lumati. Sheridan wants Ivanova to make sure that they sign up with uh, as allies. Um, they need as many as they can to stand up to the Centauri. So we see, uh, you know, the, the you know the council all together, and Shikara is trying to drum up support 
uh, basically for you know for his side and so he he, he tries to talk to Delen um that, so she can bring in the Mumbari on the on his side but his comments of revenge in the recent uh, past of make it hard for her to support him uh, she says they are tired of war and, and can possibly mediate and Shikar says there is no in between you're either in or out there's nearly a war in the bar the Nan and the sorry, the Centauri taking the uh, Mickey out of the, out of the Nan, Nan throwing bottles of what looks like Budweiser um, at the Centauri, um, you know, and it all kicks off. But fortunately, Zach Allen's there. You know, he's straight in there, stopping. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, calm down, calm down. You, you, know, you should, should have been a scouser, really. Hey, <laughs> hey, calm down, calm down. He learnt well from Lou. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, and Ivanova receives uh, Corelli Mazoron who arrives with his translator, as he does not want to speak to an inferior species until he knows they are worthy. She takes him on a tour of the station. This was uh, a bit strange for me because she kept talking to the translator. Mm-hmm. And there's there's always this custom that if you have a translator with a diplomatic person, you talk to the diplomat, you don't talk to the translator. So it, if that felt a bit weird that she was constantly referring to, to him, but... I don't know the way they played the scene. I suppose I could let it off because he was constantly trying to get her attention as well. He wasn't mm. like your typical translator who was just standing back and then reciting. Um, it did. It, it, I know the, having come from that background and seeing people who do this for a living, who talk to the diplomat and don't talk to the translator, it, it did kind of throw me out. I was like, oh, she's making a bit of a mistake there. I totally agree with you. Uh, there's two slight differences: is a translator would normally listen to what the man was saying and then would translate it and give it back to you. Well, not say man, the person, the ambassador. Um, whereas this is a um, a real time translation, so he is mm. thinking it and speaking it at the same time. So really, you, you should be looking at the um, uh, the ambassador because he's giving facial. Um, mm. Uh, clues to what he's saying. His eyebrows are raising or he, his eyes are widening or whatever. So that would give context to the speech as the translator is, is saying it. It's not really a translator, is he? But anyway, um, his aide. Um, Franklin does it better later on. He actually looks at the ambassador and yes. moves with him. And although he's listening to the guy and he's sort of like looking, you know, gives that brief sort of look to say, right, okay, I'm listening to you, but I'm looking at you. Um, so that's, you know, I think he's got it better. It is a slightly different system to translating as opposed to a, a, a direct speech going straight through the, the person. Yeah, it re- reminded me of uh, Loud as a Whisper yep. from TNT. Yes, yeah, yep. the chorus. That's right, that's what I was thinking, except this guy can't talk, he just doesn't want to. <laughs> and Picard's not emphatically gesturing around, <laughs> we are together, together, as he cups the hand. Uh, meanwhile, in Malari's quarters, a trade official is telling Malari that the trade routes are hard to negotiate due to the war and asks Malari to intervene as he carries some weight back home. He tries to bribe him and basically succeeds, and Veer logs it with all the other bribes that he's been receiving. Six months ago, they were hardly aware of me. Now, suddenly, everyone is my friend. Everyone wants something. I wanted respect. Instead, I have turned into a wishing well with legs. Great. I love that line. It's such a good. <laughs> I would have thought it'd be better if you said, Oh, I've become one of those things with, with legs. What is it? You know, a bucket and things. Wishing well, that's the one. Yeah, a butterfly. Yes. Butterfly. Okay. Yes. Continue, yes, continue on with this. Uh, <laughs> Keep the joke going. Yes. 
The war continues in the corridors of Babylon 5, and the Narn is killed by Zach Allen. <gasps> Do they not have a stun setting on these guns? Apparently not. Yeah. Police brutality. You, you get this. Yes, that's right. Yeah. You get this feeling, though, that each time the Narns are just trying to defend themselves. You know, they're getting attacked by these Centauris, and, it, and it's looking as though the Narns have been the aggressors all the way through. Sheridan mm-hmm. doesn't believe that, uh, you know, the Narn. Didn't start the fight you know, in, the, in the first instance in the bar, and now they're saying that you know they're you know they're attacking. He was told to put his weapon down, and he attacked. You know he was going to attack our, our officer, and but that was you know he was attacked first. It's oh, it's a feel for these guys, and yeah, those Centauri don't exactly look intimidating. They look like a, a bunch of business guys who just got <laughs> yeah. a little bit too drunk after a karaoke party, mm. and they're just hanging out, and they've got really bad dress sense. They don't look intimidating whatsoever. Whereas, you know, the Narn guys, they look like they're carrying a weapon. Like mm-hmm. those big gloves. You, we, we've seen it with Jakar. He looks like he's concealing something because he was. Mm. Um, yeah, and they, and they can clearly take themselves because there was two of them and four Centauri and they still managed to fight to the end. Yeah. And, and, and you'd think the Narn would be tougher than they are. Yeah. Especially with their catfight style that we're going to see later. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was that was something. I, I I didn't know quite how to respond to that when I was watching it, but uh... mm. it was quite fun because as soon as it started on the TV, our cat Millie actually came onto the screen and she was genuinely watching that screen. And I, I wondered if, like, you know, Andres Katsoulis was like, you know, it, imbuing his cat-like characters and like bewitching cats through the TV. It was crazy. It was like watch, watching two Guinans fight. <laughs> Uh, Sheridan and Jakar go at it. Both your people need to back off. Babylon 5 is neutral territory, and I will not have you turn it into a war zone. But they have a right to defend themselves. Damn it, Jakar! You are the duly appointed representative of your government. Are you saying that you can't control your own people? Because if you can't, you better tell me right now so that I can have them thrown off this station and sent somewhere else. Yeah, I thought that was a really good um, scene between the two of them. I mean, Sheridan was really a, a box liner, was really giving it the beans with his uh, telling the Shikar off. And then Katsoulis was just taken aback by being spoken to like that, but takes his point, you know, he sort of, but without actually giving in, mm-hmm. realizes that he's right. You know, he should be controlling his men and, and, you know, they should listen to him. He is the representative after all. And he takes it, but he takes it like a slap in the face. And sort of walks off with, you know, sort of still angry at, at Sheridan mm. for pointing that out. Really, really powerful scene. Mm. And it's built on everything he's done so far, just as Delenn was saying. Think of all the things he said, all the speeches he's given for the last year and a half. And you can see why people don't trust him. And so they're judging his people the same way. Um, they're not giving them the benefit of the doubt because he's already underserved their, their purpose. Um, as a representative of his species, he's completely failed. And now he's got to deal with that consequence. That's right. Coral Ilmozan decide, decides to visit the med lab and talks to Dr. Franklin about inferior races and evolution. My notes here say, what an obnoxious twat. <laughs> <laughs> that like, sums it up. Yeah. 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 Following that prime directive, what a bunch of twazics. <laughs> Jeez. Not getting involved in other people's struggles, uh, not stepping in, then interfering with the natural development of a species. That's what it. a bunch of bastards. Yeah, terrible, terrible. I mean, letting evolution get on with itself. How yeah. dare they? 
Malari and Garibaldi meet in the bar, and Malari wants to be friends, but Garibaldi is not interested. But he comes round in the end, has a drink with him. Jakar tries to calm the troops, but his message falls on deaf ears. When he leaves, they kill a Centauri to send a message. Sheridan doesn't want the news about a Narn killing a Centauri to get out until he can sort things out. Yeah. It, it kind of felt a shame that they didn't bring back the bug. Remember the weapons dealer bug from season one? Oh, to yeah. Like provide them with the weapons. I was kind of hoping he was going to come back, but yeah. it's just some guy who just happens to have a load of knives with loads of poison on it. Then he just spins it round and then lays it out to him like a, <laughs> like a, like a waiter. Would, would Sir like the red or the green poison? Um, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. It, yeah, I, I was just kind of hoping to see the down below and, and a bit more seediness. It was this guy was just genuinely walking around with a box of knives. And, you know, do you want to buy a knife? Yeah, go for yeah. it. It's fine. I'm a straight. I, I sell you samples and, you know, it's all good. I just, I was just sort of hoping you would show it to him and say, yeah, yeah. That's a knife. That's a knife. Rallying was on takes Ivanova to down below, uh, where her fellow species, or lurkers, eat barbecued lizards. They are impressed with the way humans have separated the lower end of the gene pool, so they cannot procreate. Thus, meaning that the human species is more like their own. An alliance can now be formed, much to Susan's dismay. But you know what's not to Susan's dismay? This promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network. Ah, uh, <laughs> he's in there. He's too good. Too good. Unbelievable. This Labor Day weekend, fandom is calling. Let Michael, Mike, Darren, and Jen help you answer the call with the latest news, notes, tips, and tricks on the DragonCon Report. Available as an audio podcast, visit dragonconreport.com and for the first time ever, watch us on video via Facebook Live and YouTube. We want to help you celebrate your fandom in all the best ways. So listen up and we'll see you at the con. And we're back. Great promo. That's one of the best, as always. Mm-hmm. Always, we always have the best promos on this show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, meanwhile, back at the Narns, they are tooled up and ready to fight in the Zokolo. But Jakar intervenes and wins the fight with only a small drop of drowsy poison taken from a lucky strike. As we said, yeah, it's a very bizarre fight that they have. I mean, you think <laughs> these guys look like proper warriors, even even when they're stood still. They mm-hmm. they look like samurai, you know. They've got a you know, really heavy sort of clothing on that look makes them just look like a samurai, and they fight like women. <laughs> they were like dancing cats or geese or something. <laughs> geese. How do well dancing geese? I'd love to see that. But anyway, geese <laughs> is that the best you could come up with? They what do they do? Like they haven't got claws or think Well, if you no, know, but with their with their necks and their heads and their, and stuff. Ah, okay. Like uh, when they attack, that we we've got a park here full of geese, and uh, yeah. you don't want to get too close. I think. I mean, I'm all, I'm all for actors doing their own stunts and fight sequences, especially. And you know, all credit to Katzelars and, and the other guy here doing the, doing their stuff. But at the same time, it would have been better with a couple of stunt guys. I think <laughs> the fighting was a little, you know. Oh, so you you know, slash around the top of the head, so you duck, and then he goes you know, to slash around by the feet, so you jump up. Katzelars could hardly get off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but Natoth was a bit too light. Like I feel like previous Natoth would have done a bit better. 
Yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't imposed by her. She didn't feel like she could take on the other six Narns that were standing around her. Whereas original Natoth, I reckon she would have had that fight. Oh, that. definitely. Yeah. She would have intimidated them just by standing there. Yeah, pretty much. She would have already solved the problem. That yes. would be it. The, the Centauri would be dead by now. Sheridan tells Delenn that Dr. Franklin can get medical aid to the non-civilians and get those out that can't get out. Move them out of harm's way, even though they can't give official help. Delenn agrees to help. I like Sheridan's speech here. It's really good. On my way here, I talked to Dr. Franklin. He thinks we can get medical aid to the Narns, earmarked for their civilian population. Those we can't get out, we'll try to help. Those we can't get out? I can't be more specific, but from time to time, he's been able to get other people out of sticky situations. Now, he's agreed to use his contacts to help us get some of the Narn civilians out of harm's way. So he he um, says that, you know, they can get them out, but, you know, through the, you know, through the back door, and basically Delang can go in and, and you know, maybe drop off some medical supplies and then bring back some civilians and, and children. Yeah, it's about as unofficial as it gets. But you realise this violates your government's recommendation. <laughs> they said they can't give official help. And this is as unofficial as you can get. If we do this right, there won't be any fingerprints leading back here. But it is still a risk. Yes, I suppose. Professor, I've learned the hard way that governments deal in matters of convenience, not conscience. If they fall behind, it is up to the rest of us to make up the difference. If we don't, who will? Uh, I really like that. I think he's always he's already proved that he can come up with unusual solutions or, or ones that people haven't thought of. And it, it just makes you like the captain even more. I think he he's now cemented himself in, in his place in, as in charge of Babylon 5. It makes perfect sense why he's there. And why Haig from last week wants him there. You know, on his on paper, he is the jarhead, as he said last week. But his real reality, the, the, the kind of commander he is, is this smart man who can size up a situation and work out a solution that nobody else thought of. It turns out that we have more food coming into Babylon 5 than ever gets used. On the theory that the Centauri don't want trouble with your government, we could transfer some of that food to Mimbari transports. They could deliver it to safe zones in the Narn colonies, and... And once the cargo is offloaded, the ships could bring back as many Narns as can fit. Yes, that's the idea. Um, and I, I just like it. I, I really like that scene. The only thing was, this did lead to a slight airplane moment. I know it leads to a very powerful moment for Andreas Katsoulis where he leaves and then does the laughing cry, which was brilliant. I, I really love that. But I was kind of hoping that the cut would be he goes out the room and all you hear is this, ah, and just sort of like, you know, I knew it. You know, I was kind of waiting for a comedy uh, takeaway, not the, the emotional beat that we get literally the next scene. Yeah, again, great acting again by um, Katsoulis. Hmm. Ivanova is told that Corelli Mozan and, and her need to see, seal the deal between them by having sex. Ivanova decides, after having a quick chat with Franklin, who, of course, God. is going to give her that sort of idea. Hey, could, I can give you an injection. You could put a bag on your head and do it for Babylon 5. I could give you an injection and it will make you feel sick. Just say she's sick. You're the doctor. Fake the paperwork for crying out loud. 
Why does it have to go to the point of actually giving her an injection? The man is just creepy no matter what he says. Maybe you should talk to the captain. I can't. I linked him a note just before the meeting telling him that everything was taken care of. I can't go back now and tell him that it's all fallen apart. Well, you could put a bag over his head and do it for Babylon 5. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm doomed. What? I could uh, inject you with something to make you sick. After all, he doesn't know a thing about anybody's biology but his own. He'd probably fall for it. That's it. Right, I'll get a needle. No, 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 no. I've decided. I'm going to give him exactly what he wants. I'll catch you later. What? Hey. I don't remember this part of Franklin at all from when I watched it when I was younger. He's just horrible. I just don't oh, get it. He's got it. a lot of creepy tendencies. They, so they show up from time to time. He's got your strange things right here. I mean, geez, man. What is up with him? I thought he was going to offer him the, the spare bed in his room. You know, it's like, we'll just get on with it over there. Yeah. It's a, medic, a medical transaction. Just go off. All right. It's like, I've got these strange things right here as he's watching them. It's a theme that doctors on space stations are creepers. I guess, yeah. He doesn't have a you know ghost candle uh, handy to to let out his frustrations on. I don't know. No, <laughs> it's sad. But also, <laughs> the the bio thing that she was given said that he can drink tea, but didn't mention that this is how they shake hands. <laughs> Who made that? Um, was it the guy selling knives, and he just you know left out a few relevant well, paragraphs? Maybe the know. first, maybe the first um, man who met them had to have maybe. sex as, you know, to seal the deal. Didn't really want to put that down. It was a bit embarrassing. Boom <laughs> shakalaka. <laughs> it was a passing stray, but and he was too busy selling samples. He forgot to tell all the other bits that he needs to do. That's it. But uh, Ivanova does decide to give him exactly what he wants. That's true. Boom shabba lubba lubba, boom shabba lubba lubba. Hey there, hey there, three bags full. You come here often? Yes, I do. Dinner shabba lubba lubba, drink shabba lubba lubba, kiss, 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 kiss. Grab! How do you like it so far? Oh, I... I slept with you the other night. You didn't call, you didn't write. I think you did it just for spite. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Tell me about your portfolio. Oh, yes, yes. That's how granddad did it. That's how dad does it. And it's worked and it out pretty, worked good out pretty well so far. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Lie to me about your family. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. God, you're good. What do I do now? Old style, you roll over and go to bed. New style, you go out for pizza and I'll never see you again. So Malari agrees to have the Nan who killed the Centauri deported. Uh, Susan receives a gift from Corelli Mozan with a card that says, next time, my way. I think he's twigged. Mm. And Garibaldi has that drink with Malari as they are still friends, even if it is just for a little while. I'm surprised Garibaldi didn't break out the impression a second time. That was a very good Malari impression, <laughs> I have to say. You know Londa's going to go right up the flue when he finds out that one of his people was killed by a Narn. He'll announce it all over the station as proof that the Narn are barbarians. Trivia. The chemically inoffensive drink that Malari buys for Garibaldi is a Shirley Temple. I wondered if it was. Mm. 
The Lumatis policy of not inter interfering with the evolution of other species, even if it means allowing them to die, is portrayed here as arrogant and inhumane. In the Star Trek franchise, the same policy is considered the cornerstone of Starfleet principles, the Prime Directive. Told you. Absolutely. And speaking Shots of... Fired. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Starfleet, uh, do we have any Star Trek connections, uh, Sean? All right. Do we have any Star Trek connections? Paul asks, yes. Yes, we do, Sean says. Uh, we've got Christopher Darga as Narn number one. And he was in the Enterprise episode Unexpected as Captain Vork. But he was also in the Voyager episode Think Take as Yasek. But not only that, in Deep Space Nine, in The Way of the Warrior, he played K-Back. Mm-hmm. And then we've got your good friend, Glenn Morshower. Uh, in Enterprise, he played McReady in North Star. Uh, he can, played... Can I just Go ahead. pause you there? Because yeah. as uh, Dan knows, uh, for his Temporal Trek um, uh, mm -hmm. uh, podcast, uh, I am due to, uh, to join him for North Star, uh, which is in about November. About November um, time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, I'll have to move my hair wash appointment uh, to one yeah. side to get that um but that is my favorite episode or one of my favorite episodes uh, of enterprise oh and, neat uh, glenn moshower is in that and uh, yeah it's really good so yeah he I played mcready mm. or mcready whatever uh but in voyager he played guard one in an episode called resistance and in star trek generations he was the navigator mm -hmm. and not only that he played Ensign Burke in peak performance on Next Generation, and mm. Orton in Starship Mine. And there you go. Another one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek, Starship Mine. And he's in that as well. He is, yes. Uh, and then we've got Ian Abercrombie. He was in two episodes of Voyager. Uh, I didn't mark those down. Uh, David Sage was Tarman in the TNG episode Violations. And then we've got Bill Blair, who was just everywhere. Uh, in Star Trek Into Darkness, he was behind the scenes as a digital double lead. Uh, he also was in the fan series Star Trek New Voyages. He was in four episodes of Enterprise. He was in two episodes of Voyager, 45 episodes of Deep Space Nine. And he also was in Star Trek The Experience Borg Invasion 4D. So Bill Blair was everywhere. Wow. Wow. Uh, just to fill in, uh, Ian Abercrombie was in Star Trek Voyager as Milo in Spirit Folk and Abbott in Someone to Watch. Also, Paul Williams. Did you mention Paul Williams? I did not. I couldn't find any connections for him. Okay. Uh, Star Trek Voyager as Karu in Virtuoso. And I know him better as uh, Little Enos Burdett in Smokey and the Bandit, <laughs> which is one of my favorite films. So, yeah, his voice is quite dist uh, distinctive. So, uh yeah, I was surprised that I couldn't find him in any Star Trek stuff. I must have just missed the Voyager thing. Mm -hmm. Flipping through. Okay, let's move on to our rating system. <laughs> so our rating system, because it's Babylon 5, we <laughs> rate uh, the, each episode out of five jump gates. Uh, we're I, like that. I am, we are. I am DP, score things out of 10, and they give this episode as a 7.7, .7, which in our system means that is 3.85. Sean? What's your rating for this episode? Uh, I was going to give it a 3.75. Do I have a, a, a detailed explanation like Dan often gives and makes me feel inferior? No, I don't. But 
<laughs> I enjoyed it. It was fun. It, we had uh, Boom Shakalaka. We had uh, her looking great in her, her black slinky whatever outfit. Uh, I don't know. It was just, uh, it was fun. And got to see uh, Londo be all sad. And, uh, oh, Garibaldi's not going to show up like he said. But at least he came the next day. So, yeah, 3.75. It was good. Okay. Uh, Dan? I don't want to make sure feel bad. So I got to see Ivanova's portfolio. That's enough to give a four out of five for me. <laughs> <clears throat> Which puts it as one of your top 10 favorite episodes. Yeah. I, I remembered it's it. Here, for beat. All, all the characters, all the moments. I remembered quite a lot of this episode. So if it stuck with me, it must've stuck for a reason. Yeah. And the barmaid, does the barmaid come back? Cause okay. it felt like they were playing up more for her to do later on she's she's she, been in it randomly yeah okay she's the uh yeah she's the barmaid that uh, pops up every now and again what do you give it paul well your rating? mine is exactly the same as dan's it's it's a four out of five it's um got a lot of um action going on where uh, we see this uh, continuation of the war with the nans and then centauris bubbling over into babylon five Great acting by uh, Sheridan and uh, Katsoulis, like we said before, well, Sheridan and uh, Shikar. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the sort of B-plot, if you like, with the um, Lumati being taken around the, uh, around the station and their belief of you know, uh, inferior species and letting things get out, going, getting on with itself um, is... is like you say, it's shown as being a bad thing here, but it's actually a good thing in, in Star Trek is, is, uh, is bizarre. Uh, but, and, the, and the mistaken belief that, that the humans are doing this deliberately <laughs> so that they actually then they end up with this uh, alliance, uh, which I don't know how that's going to work in the future, but, you know, that's, uh, that's quite good. So, yeah, uh, overall, I, I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really good episode. Slightly better than last week's. Uh, there's more going on here. There's a, you know, there's a world building and there's... Um, continuation of, uh, of all of the issues that we have in, in the war. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I like it. It uh, actually has jumped into um, my top ten. My current top ten, because that obviously is a moving feast, but there we go. Mm. Oh, so, and pou- pouchlings, oh. sorry. Pouchlings. pouchlings. Yeah. Mm. Why, are, why are they pouchlings? Like, does this get brought up again? I don't remember that. I've heard, I have heard that before, I think. Yeah, they're like kangaroos. But, but up to now? Or is that something we're going to find out more later? We don't get too much information. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah, lots of portfolios involved. That's fair enough. I can remember that. <laughs> yeah. So that is the end of this episode. Join us again next week where we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 13, Hunter, Prey. Now, I don't know whether that's supposed to be Hunter, Prey, Hunter, pray, or <laughs> hunter, pray, hunter, pray, or maybe it's like a you know space version of uh, paper, scissors, stone, hunter, pray, insect, mammal, <laughs> um, just keeps going on until you just say whatever needs to be said to end the game. Hunter, pray, lizard, yeah, lizard, yeah, Spock, Spock, thermo, nuclear war, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you have any thoughts on this episode. Why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com? That's three spelled T H R E E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. 
Just search for the Epsilon 3. Well, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. Commander? Oh, Captain, I was about to go looking for you. I heard the good news about Londo. Congratulations. Uh, well, and you too. The Lumati sent word to Earth, confirming their interest in working with us, and said some very complimentary things about you. Which reminds me, the head Lumani left this for you before he took off. Well, isn't that sweet? Mm -hmm. Hmm. What's it say? Next time, my way. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.